Hey there, listeners. Welcome back. Thanks for swinging by and hopefully staying with us for a little while. Today, Carrie and I are going to talk about something that all of us experience, and if not all of us, most of us, and that's stress. So we'll cover what it is, what it means, how it might affect us, and some things that we've tried ourselves or have read about uh, because science. We'll see if we can maybe help each other out a little bit. I think we should maybe start with a definition of stress. And this is from the National Institute of Mental Health. Um, They describe stress as the brain and body's response to change, challenge, or demand. So it is the body's natural defense against danger brought on from an event or maybe a perceived possible event for those of us who live inside of our heads too much. That's me. (laughs) Me too. Thoughts that make you feel frustrated, angry, or nervous when those stressful events occur or are perceived to be occurring, the body is flooded with hormones to avoid or confront danger. Obviously we know that as fight or flight response. This affects all of us. I think we know that, but if you're feeling stressed and you feel like you're alone in it, you are not. It affects all of us. <laughs> and I would say even more so over the last few years for many different reasons, possibly a long-term fight or flight response just being triggered in us 24-7. So we're excited to dig in today and talk about this. Not all stress is bad either. I guess we should start with that too, huh, Abby? Yes. I'm glad that you brought that up actually, Carrie, because uh, recently I've started experiencing more positive stress more often. It's you stress. Those types of stressors are the the ones that you stress that you experience is more of a positive thing. It's more of an excitement stress Mm -hmm. that you feel. There is a big difference, in my opinion, between distress and you stress. And Carrie, talk to us a little bit about certain things that you experienced during both of those. Yeah. So another good thing to note with you stress, the good stress is that it's acute. You get the flood of those hormones, endorphins probably, but all kinds of hormones happening, but then your body goes back into balance. When we are stressed out and it's the bad kind of stress, we just kind of stay up there, right? So Just wanted to also throw in that clarifying point. Like Abby said, the last few months for us have kind of been a suck fest. We have some good things in the works, some things that we are both excited about together and individually. It's fun to feel that you stress again and not just the distress and worrying and fearing what's next. I like that you said the fearing what's next. That's what it is. I don't have control over my career right now or over uh, what's going to happen. And I think that for me, it's been helpful accepting that and just saying, okay, I just have to essentially roll with the punches. Here's what's coming my way. The longer I wait, the better it's going to be. Everything happens for a reason. You know, you tell yourself all that shit that you read on a bubblegum wrapper or whatever to try to stay positive, but it's so true. It's a hard thing to get punched in the throat over and over and over by things you think are going to work out and then become disappointed. But then a week, two weeks, six months later, something comes into your life and it's like, oh, okay, no, things are looking up. Things are fine. 
having that perceived lack of control and making up stories based on what you're experiencing and telling yourself and feeling those things while it's normal does not help reality. For those who are dealing with more chronic depression, we are not saying that just put a smile on your face and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and everything will be solved. This is more for those of us who recognized we're stressed, but we're not quite to that level. So please don't think that we are speaking down or ill to people who are chronically depressed. That's a different situation here. Why is chronic stress or long-term stress so harmful for us? Yeah, let's run through this because I'm excited to get back to really discussing things we can do about it, but let's quickly run through <laughs> why stress is awful. Um, <laughs> it weakens our immune system, first of all. So that can be bad, obviously, in a number of ways. You might just get more colds more often, but it can actually also make you more susceptible to longer chronic disease as well. You have an increased sensation of physical pain. So not only are you probably going to feel more headaches, more muscle tension, that kind of stuff, but your brain will also perceive that pain as being worse when you're stressed. So super double whammy there. Aches and pains, chest pain, or like your heart is racing, kind of like you can't take a full breath, lack of energy, exhaustion, or honestly, just not sleeping, having a lot of trouble, falling asleep, staying asleep, headaches, migraines, dizziness, higher blood pressure, that muscle tension, jaw clenching that I was talking about. GI issues can show up and we're all different there. So that could be constipation, diarrhea, could be nausea. I can remember my final semester of graduate school. I was nauseous the entire time and I kept thinking it was a physical problem. Well, it was stress, sexual dysfunction or not feeling in the mood. And then I think the other big thing is that it really can lower our self-esteem. It can make us want to avoid other people, which typically then causes more stress because then we feel disconnected, we feel isolated, and that can mean a reliance on those avoidance or repressive coping mechanisms, such as relying on caffeine, alcohol, cigarettes, recreational drugs, emotional eating, whatever those things are because we all have them in varying degrees. So some fun comes along with stress, I think is essentially what my point is here. <laughs> no wonder I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I can experience and do experience 95% of those things. That's what I was going to ask you. How has stress been showing up for you? I know the last couple of weeks have been a little bit better, but previous to that, when you and I were in the depths of the stress ball situation, how is that showing up for you, Abby? I didn't realize until I came out of it how much it was affecting me. Yeah. And it's not like the stressful situations are too much for an individual to handle. It was just more than I was used to and a lot going on at once. I was just kind of alternating between binge eating and not eating. It would mm. be like, I'm forgetting to eat or I'm eating everything in sight and felt like a bottomless pit. Periods got screwed up, headaches, not sleeping. And then a side effect of that was having very low energy. So I didn't yeah. feel like doing my workouts. So then I felt like going on violence sprees because I wasn't doing my workouts. I wasn't eating well. 
skin. I mean, it was, yeah. And, and I kept trying to attack each one of those symptoms as being their own thing. So right. I'd be like, what? Oh, this must be my IBS. This must be ADHD. This must be. And of course, some of those things were those things. But once my stress level lifted and I started getting excited about things, all of the sudden I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, it's go time. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's such a vicious cycle, yes. right? Like you were saying, it affects one, everything. Yeah. One domino falls and the rest are on their way. No, you're so right. Uh, you mentioned this just briefly, but skin for me, my skin will tell me pretty quick if I've been feeling stressed, which then stresses me out. And I'm like, I don't want to go outside and see people. My skin is terrible. Oh, I look like a dirty piece of paper. <laughs> um, oh, it shows up in so many ways and it it just sucks so much. I was just going to say, you mentioned the increased chance of reliance on certain drugs, alcohol, food, smoking, you know, that kind of thing. And something that I think that maybe we should touch on is when I participate in any of those things, it makes everything worse. Yep. So um, it's like, okay, I have anxiety. And so then I have some coffee. I'm like, okay, now my anxiety is just faster (laughs) and more. (laughs) Covering up or, you know, they're called avoidance or repression coping because you're not dealing with what's actually happening. And for a short period of time, it does feel like there's relief. That's why we go to those things. That's why we rely on a bowl of ice cream to make us feel better. Hey, ice cream is powerful. Oh my God. It works. Yes. That's the one (laughs) thing that does work. (laughs) But it's also discovering other coping strategies and ways to manage our stress that's important. So let's dig into what we can actually do about stress. And like I said, I think the most important thing is finding coping strategies that work for you, but how do we even go about that? So speaking from experience over the last few months, being laid off, losing a pet, feeling like I'm not where I want to be in my mid thirties life. And I notice with myself, and we touched on this, My biggest stress comes from fears of the unknown, the uncertainty ahead of me. I don't have, Abby, you put it as you don't have control. I feel like I don't have the right plan in place. And I'm stressing myself out trying to plan the exact right thing to do to get me to the place of not being stressed anymore. When in reality, what helped was acknowledging how stressed I was and saying, it's perfectly okay that I'm stressed. I'm feeling this way. I'm naming my feelings. And then I'm saying, okay, I feel that way. And I see that. And now what, what am I going to do? Because I can't just sit in this anymore. What about you, Abby? There's so many coping strategies we want to touch on, but I want to hear your personal experience as well. Yeah, mine. So I walk around very cynical and say, oh, I don't like people. I hate people, but that's, what's been helpful to me is talking to people and sharing my feelings, which has been a very new, but 10 out of 10 would recommend experience for me. Just kind of saying what's on my mind and accepting that if people push me away, then that's fine. And on top of that, kind of releasing the quote unquote toxic people that I come into contact with, Yep. which 
has been really helpful as well. So I would say surrounding myself with people who make me feel good or don't stress me out and taking time off from people who do and being more mindful of what makes me feel happy, what makes me feel at peace and how I can control certain things and focusing on those. So I know that I can control the foods that I'm putting in my mouth or the the water that I'm drinking or the exercise that I'm doing or the books that I read or how I spend my time. And just focusing on those things has really alleviated a lot of the pressure that I put on myself because that's what it is. We put it on ourselves. To cope, I've been more picky with who and what I spend my time on. Intentional. And you and I have talked personally a lot the last few weeks about protect your peace, protect your energy. Neither of us are good at boundaries. We are both people pleasers possible podcast episode upcoming. (laughs) (laughs) But as we learn what is stressing us out, learning how to say, I need to protect my own energy right now has been huge. I think for both of us, not to speak for you. You're right. And something I didn't touch on that I've gotten pretty, I mean, I don't want to brag here, but I've gotten pretty good at is crying. (laughs) Yes. And crying is so good. (laughs) And I always thought of it as a sign of weakness. Same thing with sharing your feelings. It's like, well, I don't do that. I'm, I'm my dad's only son. So I have to be tough. But yeah, I mean, if I'm in the shower, sometimes I call it the cry chamber. If I'm in the cry chamber and (laughs) I start feeling frustrated or, you know, you have a long day, whatever, you just get rid of it and then it's like, okay, I'm that bitch. It's time for me to take control again. It's fine. I'm upset. Big whoop. And then you get your shit together and you... We need that release. It has to come out somehow. Yeah. Yeah. In Chinese medicine, I have to share this, tears are considered part of the detox pathways. So same as you sweating or urinating, tears are movement of stagnant energy or chi in Chinese medicine. So it's actually essential that we cry occasionally. And especially when we are holding on to frustration or anger, those more, we'll say aggressively negative emotions Mm -hmm. that can actually hurt your liver. So moving through those tears, moving that energy out is super, super healthy mentally and physically. I was just going to say, and you feel good, (laughs) even if it's only for like five or 10 minutes, what are some other things that we can do that maybe people who are rolling their eyes and think that we're crazy (laughs) can do that they have control over that they can start with to try to alleviate symptoms of stress? A lot of stuff that we've touched on in this podcast, nourishing your body with foods that make you feel good, moving your body often. We all kind of have the shoulder tension and jaw tension just all the time. And when you learn how to recognize how tense you are and then relax it, stress can release even if you do nothing else but relax your muscles. Hydrating and getting sleep, all important things. Specifically for me, I take the mindful approach as much as I can. And I try to take the pause and say, okay, what am I feeling right now? And naming it. If y'all haven't read Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart, it's pretty fantastic because it actually defines what these emotions are so that you can expand your emotional vocabulary. And that might not sound like a big deal, but having the ability to say, 
I'm frustrated instead of I'm upset is a very different thing. Recognizing what I'm actually feeling allows me to deal with it. I listened to a podcast on that, or maybe I was listening to the audiobook, whatever it was, but she said most people, and I'm included in that, can only name five emo- emotions. Yeah. Like anger, frustration, sadness, happiness, and four. I meant four. <laughs> <laughs> no, she talks about that in that book too. We just don't have, we haven't been set up with that emotional capacity because it's not normalized in our society to tell the truth. When somebody says, hi, how are you? I think most of us say fine or good. We don't even think about how we're actually doing, nor would we ever think about actually telling that person how we're feeling. So knowing that we're not good at recognizing emotions in ourselves and especially not expressing them to other people, (laughs) um, that's a good place to start, I think. However, there are other coping strategies. Like, Abby, I know you love to get outdoors and get sunshine, but what are some strategies that have worked for you and people you've worked with? I'll speak for myself first. Um, You mentioned going outside and I honestly, if even if it's blizzarding or an actual tornado and there's cows flying around in the air, if I do not get outside one day, I am not at all myself. So I would say that that's definitely number one. You, I know that you're great with paying attention to your breath and becoming really aware of what's going on and asking yourself questions. I get so antsy if I'm inside when I try to do that, that it just doesn't work. So anyway, yeah. I spend quite a lot of time outside. And something that I've been trying to do a little bit more is getting away from social media and screen time altogether. So I've been listening to music or I'll have it on on my speaker or on my noise canceling headphones. So it's really all I can focus on. And I'll listen to that while I'm doing something, just something where there's not a screen in front of me, but I do like to have the constant noise playing. music and a couple of things if people that i've worked with they're they're much different from me because i need some sort of that that stimulation like constant music or podcast something playing in the background so that i don't go crazy but they're on the opposite side of that so sitting in the quiet completely unplugging from everything and just reading or doing some sort of task that requires some effort but not anything strenuous i know people that turn to things like knitting or sewing or flipping through a magazine or cuddling with themselves or a willing human making sure that when you are in a space inside that your space is free from clutter Mm -hmm. cleaning my space decluttering donating things that i don't need anymore it just helps me also clear out the rubbish from my mind i think Mm -hmm. and you talking about needing something on that stimulation you and andy are so much alike we've talked about this before and i'm the silent person (laughs) it drives him crazy when he comes home and it's just silent in our house oski is laying on top of me and i'm reading or whatever He's like, how can you stand this? How can you stand not having noise? But I get, my mind gets pulled. I want to listen to everything that's happening. Mm, So I can't focus if I am trying to keep one ear out over here. So just strengthening your point that we are all different and different things work for each of us. And of course, if you feel like you're trying these things and you're really struggling to find 
these strategies that work well for you, then it might be a great time to consider talking to a licensed professional about this. Therapy doesn't have to be scary. It can very much just be learning how to cope better with all of the shit that life throws at us. Yes, I'm glad that you brought that up because therapy is such a taboo thing and it's got such a stigma surrounding it, which is so stupid. It's mm-hmm. so dumb. Yeah, it's it's such a valuable resource. So even if you're not overwhelmed by stress, if you're considering going, um, 25 out of 10. Yes, definitely. We would both recommend that. And jumping back to some mindfulness practices, obviously I love yoga because it is the marriage of breath work and movement. Um, So you can really match up that muscle relaxation and release with the deep breathing, letting your nervous system know that you're safe and it's okay. And you're moving through whatever you're moving through and having an attitude of self-compassion. We know that stress is going to happen. Things are going to be out of our control and we make mistakes, even things within our control. We can control a lot of the (laughs) negative things that we do to ourselves. (laughs) So having that attitude of I'm doing my best tomorrow is another day, knowing that things are always changing. It's not going to be this way forever, whether you're in a high place or a low place, it's going to switch around and it's going to keep switching around. And that's just part of the beauty of life. So adopting that self-trust that I can handle what life's going to throw at me because no matter what it throws at me, it's going to change in another Mm -hmm. five minutes. That's so true. And it is very much a, this too shall pass. You, You mentioned that the highs also pass. So it's just kind of riding the waves and seeing where they take you versus trying to control the direction that it's going in. It is a very, yeah, it's very much a, this too shall pass. Carrie, something that just real quick, I, because I need help. You mentioned nervous system and I feel like mine is dysregulated most of the day. I'm just kind of, I wouldn't say on edge, but I would consider myself to be much more in fight or flight than calm and sleep, I guess, (laughs) or calm and stay grounded. (laughs) So when you're talking about breath work or what's an easy way to come back down to earth when you are feeling totally freaking out over ideas that are in your head, that type of thing. Right. Learning to pause and observe rather than react. And that really takes a lot of practice. What's cool about meditation is that you get to learn that you are not your thoughts and you are not your behaviors, you are the observer of both of them, Mm -hmm. which is so freeing when you really think about it. I love mindfulness meditation, particularly because it isn't a, I have to be silent. My thoughts are not allowed to interrupt at all. It's very much a, oh, I had a thought. What was that thought? Cool. And I let that thought go. And then 20 seconds later, probably more like two seconds later, (laughs) another thought comes up and I get to observe that too and release it. And just practicing that over and over and over again, I've gotten good over the last few years of saying, Ooh, I'm feeling stressed for X, Y, Z reasons. Okay. I'm feeling stressed and I'm letting that thought go. It doesn't mean that I'm cured. It just means if I can recognize it and name it, like I said earlier, I can deal with it then. Mm. It's not part of your identity. 
So you're saying, mm-hmm. I, I feel stressed. I feel frustrated. It's not, I am stressed. I am frustrated. I am a loser. I am not where I should be. I yeah. feel like, insert mind blown emoji here. <laughs> Just, yeah. I mean, it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game if you look at it that way. And I guess I'd never thought of it. Um, I'm sure our listeners have deciphered now which one of us is the calm collected one and which one of us is the flight fun exciting one (laughs) (laughs) yeah thanks that's what we'll go with i think that for people who have tried meditation and can't sit still for longer than eight seconds myself that will be helpful in helping me reframe even if you can just change that language there is a lot of research that shows mindfulness practices of all kinds, help reduce the activity in our amygdala. So that's the part of our brain that switches on our stress responses in our bodies. So if we can sort of dull the response in our amygdala to that stress by doing nothing else but practicing mindfulness throughout your day, throughout your life, you are already reducing the physiological effects of stress on your body, which is so cool. And one thing I want to add to sharing a new practice that I've been incorporating over the last couple months is when I recognize whatever I'm feeling, or I recognize that thought I've been thanking it for trying to protect me. So, (gasps) you know, I know. I love that. (laughs) I feel silly sharing this, but it's been such a game changer for me to say, I recognize that I'm feeling overwhelmed right now and that I'm not doing enough. So thank you mind for trying to protect me and push me to do more. I appreciate that you're trying to protect me right now. I've, I've got it from here and I can release it with a little more gratitude. Holy shit. Oh my God. I love that so much. If you can look at what you're experiencing currently as a lesson You can look at it and think, look back at it and think, I have already overcome so much worse than this, something like that. And like you're saying, thank yourself for that. I'm already prepared for this. I know I can do this. I've done this before, but thanks. I got it from here. (laughs) Right. And we've all developed coping strategies most often from childhood. So they are so ingrained in us. And if we can learn to rather than fight those urges, but be grateful for our bodies and our minds, like I said, for trying to protect us, but it's been so helpful for me in the last few weeks. And I think it's changed my day-to-day outlook quite a bit too, because like I said, I'm coming at it with appreciation and gratitude for myself while also saying, but I don't need to hold on to these same coping mechanisms that I Mm -hmm. developed at ages two to four utilizing things that would maybe be considered negative behavior patterns and saying okay this is what i would have done in the past but now i'm taking one step further and kind of climbing out of it that's the goal that is powerful shit, my friend i feel like i just sat through therapy and oh my god as we wind down just to kind of summarize it, stress looks so different for everybody and uh like you heard carrie and i talking the the way that I handle things are totally different from the way that she does. And that's completely normal. So it's about finding what works for you individually, but also something to consider is that reducing caffeine, alcohol, smoking, uh, cocaine, you know, um, (laughs) food, things like that. Those are never 
going to be a bad option or uh, maybe switching your diet a little bit, making sure that you move your body, trying your best to get enough rest and listening to your body when it tells you that it needs it. Those are all going to be things that work pretty universally. I love that you said listening to your body. That's the universal truth. If I need to take a break, I first need to be paying attention to my body enough to know that I need to take a break. Like Gabby said, it's different for everybody. How it shows up and how we deal is different for each of us. And I want to say it's different depending on where you are in life. Sometimes meditation doesn't work for me and that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm going to abandon it forever, but I'm going to journal instead or do something else that I know, or at least try something else that I know has worked in the past. So be open to experimentation with this, just like everything else. There's no failure. There's just learning. We will see you later or see you another time. Hopefully many other times. Hopefully many other times. (laughs) (laughs) If you are with us and believing being human is weird, then like, subscribe, share, all of those things that the kids are doing. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at beinghumanisweird. That's where we're going to be sharing resources, inspiration, and news about our podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So slide right into our DMs with questions, comments, and what you'd like to hear more of. And thank you so much for listening, weirdos. 